Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Maddie Mandel is the Director of Leadership Development with Queensland Baptists. Uh, she's also been a, a pastor and a, a student at Malian, and she's a great preacher and great to have her with us this morning as we continue our series in the Book of Ruth. So let's uh, welcome Maddie. Good morning, everybody. How are we all today? I am. Um, I have been here before. It's lovely to be back again at Windsor Road. I think it's been around a year, um, so it's really lovely to be back with you all. I'm a bit of a mover, so I'm gonna. I'll fix it up for Ian when he wants to come back up. So we are continuing your series in Ruth this week. Um, and last you guys, last week you guys heard from Bob. He gave you a, a really great introduction to the book. I read it throughout, the, I listened to it throughout the week, and you guys heard about the basis of this whole story of the book of Ruth, about Naomi and her family, how her and her husband and her two sons traveled from Judah to a whole other country and land, Moab, because there was a famine in their homeland. There was no food, there was no ways for them to eat and survive. And they got to Moab, and her two sons married two Moabite women. But really tragically, Naomi's husbands and her sons all pass away, which meant that her and her daughters-in-law were in a really vulnerable, unsafe position for women in that time. And where you guys left off last week and where we're going to pick up this week is that Naomi heard that God had provided food back in Judah. And herself and her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah are their names, we're setting back off to Naomi's homeland. So we're going to go a little bit further today in Ruth chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 8 to 18. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to read along, we are going to read that passage. So from verse 8, it says, Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, this is on the road back to Judah, she says, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness of you, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we'll go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could be your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And they wept aloud again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. 
We read in these, these verses, for the, the first time, a word that points to a really, really significant theme throughout the whole book of Ruth, and that is the word chesed. This word chesed is the Hebrew word, and it's beautiful, and it's rich, and it's complex. It's one of those words that we can't translate directly into English. It tells us a lot about God, his character, who he is, but also the kinds of beauty that can be brought into the world when we obey him. Hesed, as it's translated for us in our Bibles, is usually kindness. And it certainly is kindness, but it's so much more than that. It's this beautifully relational word that talks about kindness and love and loyalty and generosity. It's also this word that involves action. Hesed is not just a feeling like we want to love someone or be kind to someone, but it's something that moves us to act on behalf of somebody else especially when we do not think we will get anything out of it ourselves. Hesed is, is a loving kindness that's selfish, it's reliable, sorry, selfless, it's reliable, and it's, it's benevolent. And so I think we see Hesed in all kinds of ways. My husband, Tom, he's an optometrist, um, but he works at an ophthalmologist, so it's an eye surgery. And a lot of his patients are, are elderly people who might be getting cataract surgery or injections in their eyes, which creeps me out, but it's very important for them so that they can keep their sight. And he comes home and he's told me a story really similar to this time and time again, where he'll have a patient walk in the room and they might be staring down the barrel of their cataract surgery, but they don't come alone. Their spouse comes with them, someone they might have been married to for 40, 50 years, and they have a notebook in hand and they sit down and they're ready to take notes on everything that Tom says about the surgery, about the recovery, about how they'll need to put drops in the eyes of their loved one every single hour all the way through the night, how they'll need to drive them around and take care of the cooking and the cleaning throughout their recovery. And this to me is just one of those beautiful everyday examples of what Hesed looks like, this committed and devoted and sacrificial love that doesn't expect anything in return. And of course, we look at God. God is our ultimate example of what Hesed is. He showed us his precious and unwavering love so many times. He shows it to the Israelites the whole way through the Old Testament, through all of their ups and downs, and he shows it to us ultimately in Jesus, where Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. But we get to see God's hesed in all kinds of little ways too. Jesus was this ultimate act of hesed, but we see it all the time through answered prayers, through fulfilled promises, through encouragement as we, as we sit in the Bible and, and we sit in friendship with God, just like Mark was speaking about earlier. But see, the trouble is, we know that this hesed is there. We know that it exists in our life, but sometimes we lose sight of it. Sometimes it's really easy for us to forget that God's loving, faithful, and kindness is active and alive and well in our own lives. This is especially true when we go through really hard times. It's true when we go through seasons of prolonged waiting, where we're praying prayers that we can't see answered, when we might be suffering with a chronic illness or with mental illness that, that settles a fog over our life so that we just feel like we can't see the light anymore. I'm gonna talk about a few different scenarios today that encapsulate this, things about loss, things about infertility troubles. So if that's something that you struggle with, I'm sensitive that these things are heavy, that they're very real in the lives of people who love God. And so I just wanted to put a little warning out there that those are some of the things I might be discussing today. 
God is mentioned alarmingly little explicitly in the book of Ruth, but he's always there working. But today we're going to look especially at Naomi because she's the one who's speaking a lot in this passage that we talk about. And she is in a really dark place. She's in a position where she feels like God's hand has turned against her, where she is really struggling to see God's chesed in her life. She's lost sight of what God's loving kindness looks like for her. And so there's so much that we can learn from that for ourselves, but also for people that we love around us. We read in verses 11 to 13 in the passage how Naomi is feeling just truly despondent and hopeless about her family situation. She has lost her husband, she's lost her sons, which means that she has no security. She has no safety, she has no place to call home. And she says really clearly, she really doesn't think that she's gonna be able to find another husband. She really doesn't think she's gonna be able to have any more children, let alone sons that can take care of her. And she talks to her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, and she acknowledges their loss too. They've lost their husbands. They've lost a sense of security in their life. But she says to them in verse 13, It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Naomi believes that God's turned away from her in this time. This suffering and this loss and this sense of hopelessness she has for her future is this sign that God has said is missing in her life. I think it's really easy for us in this moment to look at Naomi and just kind of label her with this bitterness, really plain and really simply. It could be easy for us to sit where we are and think that, well, she just should have a little bit more faith, right? She should just have a little bit more joy in the Lord. She should just trust. But I think that when we do that, when we label this so simply and so decisively, we undercut the really, really complex and traumatic situation that she finds herself in. I think it's also important for us to consider that Jewish people were maybe a little bit more open than we are to the idea of God being a God who offers blessings and curses. When God makes his covenant with the Israelite people in Exodus, he says, when you obey me, I'll offer you blessings. And when you choose to live apart from me, there'll be curses that go alongside that. Maybe Naomi is showing a deep awareness of God, a deep awareness of her own life in this time. That's a possibility. But I I think that what's safest for us to assume is that Naomi's had so much suffering in her life that that anger and that confusion and that helplessness has has shaken her impressions of God. And And I think many of us in this room know what that means too to be faced with suffering, to be faced with big questions in life, things that cause us to lament like what we prayed for just before, that leave us wondering, that leave us asking why or where is God in this situation? And it's human to ask these questions. It's human to grapple with God when there are circumstances that we don't understand, when life seems a little bit dark. And so when I think about those situations in our own life, but also in Naomi's story right here and now, I'm called to deep compassion. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all face the challenges in our life with this gritted faith and determination? Of course it would. But when people are in some of the worst places in their life, I don't ever want to be the one that would hold a position of judgment against people as they ask really significant questions in hard places of their life. 
I met with a very dear friend of mine just a couple of nights ago, and she is a very, very new Christian. She's walking out the journey, so she has got all of the normal questions that a new Christian might have. How do I talk with God? How do I deepen my relationship with Him? But she has also had an awful tragedy in her life really recently. She is in her mid-30s. She had been with her partner, who was also in his mid-30s, for, for quite a number of years. They were planning a trip to Fiji together, a holiday where he was actually going to propose to her. And days before they got on the plane, they learned that he'd been diagnosed with a really, really significant kind of cancer. And in four months, he was gone. And um, that was back in January. I did the funeral as this big Samoan family, and it was unbelievably emotional. And my poor friend was grieving the loss of the love of her life. She was grieving the loss of a life she thought she would have with him, a marriage and children that they wanted to have. And I sat with her on Friday night, and, and it's been a few months, and she's doing much better in terms of processing that grief, but she still looks at me and asks me why. Why did God take away the love of my life? What do I do now? Am I allowed to feel this way? If I still feel certain emotions, does that mean it's God's will for me? Is he not taking them away? Really, really complicated questions. And I can give her a really great theological answer. I could sit and say a scripture or tell her something that I should think would make it all better, but that's just not the case. It's not that simple. When we are facing real suffering in our lives, it's normal to ask the big questions of where God is and what his goodness looks like in that scenario. Sometimes there are circumstances in our life way outside our control and we are left wondering where God's goodness is. And that's the place that Naomi's in right now. She's in a place where she's struggling to see God's goodness and love and faithfulness, just like so many of us do when we feel like life and people in the system have failed us. But I think what's really interesting about Naomi's circumstances here is that even though she really quite clearly says that she believes God's turned away from her, she still believes that he can work in the lives of others, that he can still show goodness in this world. When Naomi's trying to convince her daughters-in-law to go back to Moab, she says to them in verses eight to nine, she says, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, that's that word chesed, as you have shown kindness, chesed, to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of a new husband. Naomi is wishing God's blessing, his loving kindness, his chesed, on her daughters-in-law. She tells them to go back to their mother's home. And there's a chance that she says mother's home instead of father's in a time where everything was very patriarchal because mothers were particularly involved in the marrying of their children back in that time. We can see from other parts of the verse that she's really, really clearly wanting her daughters to go back to their homeland so that they can find a new husband because that's where they as women will find security and rest. She's wishing that God would show them this kindness. Even though we can see how Naomi feels about God's kindness and its presence and its place in her own life, she really clearly believes that God can bless her daughters-in-law in a way that she feels she's been deprived of. This is a little bit profound because Naomi is saying that Yahweh, the God of the Jewish people, would bless a couple of Moabite women in this way. There were lots of Israelites that wouldn't necessarily believe that God blesses outside the Israelite people. 
But Naomi is asking for this. She is believing for this. She wants God's chesed love in the lives of her daughters-in-law. And so we see this important distinction. Naomi hasn't abandoned her identity as an Israelite. She doesn't believe that God isn't real or that he's evil. She still sees that his goodness and love are at work in the lives of others, maybe in the world, but just not for her. Again, I have another dear friend who for years really, really struggled with fertility. Her and husband desperately wanted a child and they tried and they tried and they waited and they waited. And one night we had dinner together and we were going for a walk and it had been about two or three years at this point that she'd been holding on to faith, but she'd also been grappling with questions about God's will and God's providence and his goodness. And that week she told me, I knew that something heavy was on her heart, and she told me that she'd seen four pregnancy announcements on her Facebook feed that week. And she crumbled. She believed that these babies were a gift from God, that these women and these couples had been blessed with. And as much as she had been wanting to trust on him and rely on him in that moment, all the doubts and all the questions overflowed. She wondered why God was withholding that from her. That's what she felt in this moment. Why do all these other people get this beautiful blessing from God in their lives? But I have not. We see this in people who, maybe people who are getting married around us and we're left waiting for someone we might be able to spend our lives with or people who have opportunities and work or in life. We know what it feels like to see and acknowledge maybe God's hand of blessing in other people's lives and sometimes feel like it's not on our own. And this is the place that Naomi is in. But of course, we know, we can look, many of us know the whole story of the book of Ruth, and Bob gave you a few spoilers last week as well, that God's said had not dried up in Naomi's life. With hindsight, we can, we can even see that the very providence of food, the reason that they were going back to Judah was a sign of God's said in her life. She was going back to something familiar and her family, but the very act of him bringing him back was going to be something really profound in Naomi's life. We can see that he had been extending chesed to her through the relationship with her daughters-in-law. She thanks them for their loving kindness towards her. No matter how much she even presses them to leave in this moment, we see that Ruth doesn't relent. Orpah, she turns away and she goes back to Moab. But I think it's important for us to acknowledge that there's no judgment on her in the text for that. There's nothing that suggests that we should just think she wasn't good enough or she wasn't kind enough. She does what's kind of understandable in this situation. And she does what Naomi asks her to do, to go back to Moab, to find a new husband, to settle there in a familiar land for her. Orpah does what's expected, and that's why what Ruth does in refusing to leave Naomi is extraordinary. It's above and beyond. That's why it's a chesed. In Ruth, 60, and, um, Ruth 1, 16 to 17, Ruth says to Naomi, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. 
Ruth shows Naomi Hesed in this moment. She shows her this loyal, committed kindness. She goes above and beyond with generosity, without any expectation of return. Naomi has made it very, very clear that she can't offer Ruth any kind of security or safety back in Judah. But Ruth promises to stay. She says she's going to adopt her culture and her God. In a time when where you were buried held great significance, she said she was going to forego Moab and her ancestors. She would stay with Naomi until the very end. The whole story of the book of Ruth and, and Naomi's story as well is one of emptiness being made full. And this is the very beginning of that, where Naomi thinks that she's alone, that she is helpless, that her options are completely exhausted. This act of loyalty and love from Ruth is the beginning of an incredible story of blessing and restoration in her life. Naomi's eyes were set on what had passed. She was looking back at the suffering of her circumstances and she couldn't help but think that God's hand was against her. But if she had maybe been able to see in that moment something of what God was doing, she would have seen God's proof of of care and love in her life. It made me think of the message, I don't think you see it so much anymore, but on the side mirrors of cars where it says, objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear. Sometimes when we are looking at things behind us or or suffering that's right in front of us, it can consume us. It's all we can see. It's all we can focus on. We struggle to see the road ahead of us. Sometimes we even struggle to see good things that are right in front of our eyes. And in this moment here, Naomi is so captured by her past and what she believes it's going to mean for her future, which is really understandable, that she can't see the ways that God is beginning to work in her life in this very moment. The ways God's hesed is not missing from her life, but very much present and working. Because God is not done in this story. His loving kindness and loyalty to Naomi is about to amaze her. And all of you too, I hope, as you continue through the book of Ruth. God wants to turn her emptiness to fullness and her despair into hope, her mourning into joy. And I think there's one of two ways we can kind of respond to this story today. We either need to learn from Naomi and take encouragement from her story, or we can learn from Ruth. I think that we can learn from Naomi's position when we are struggling to see God's faithfulness and love in our own life. We are reminded that even if we wish that we would have the most stable faith in the world when the trials come, sometimes the circumstances build up so much that we are left with a darkness, we are left with tough questions in our heart and our life. We're left wondering where God's love and kindness really is. But we can see from Naomi's story here and countless other times throughout scripture, our lives, the lives of others, that we can trust God's chesed, his loving faithful kindness in our life. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have it in its absolute fullness in Jesus. God offered his only son to die for us when we were broken and sinning and some of us were running full pelt in the opposite direction from him. And there's nothing we could do to repay that except trusting in Christ and living our lives for God. There'll be seasons even when we've trusted in Jesus, where it's hard to see God at work in our life. 
but we can take encouragement from this moment in Naomi's life. She thought God had forgotten her, that he had turned away from her, but he was not done yet. As important as it is for us to process our pain healthily, not just to ignore our past, we also need to make sure that we are looking clearly at God, that we're looking clearly at his working in our life knowing that he is beside us, he's before us in anything that we face. And if Naomi's position isn't one you identify with so much, life is is going pretty well, you're not surrounded by that suffering and that darkness, I think that there's something we can learn from Ruth as well. In that sometimes we need to be the person who offers compassion for the Naomi, for the one who's suffering, for the one who is questioning for the one whose perspective is skewed and they're struggling. We need to have empathy for them and understanding for them, but we can also be Hesed in the way that Ruth's sign of loyalty and love and commitment to Naomi was a sign of God's faithfulness and blessing in Naomi's life. We can be that to others when they're in positions of struggling. We can be God's hands and feet. And this is not easy. As I have lived all over again in the last few days, this means sitting with people in their hardest moments. It means sitting with them in all of the gray. It means wanting to say just one prayer or pull out one scripture that will fix everything for them when it's probably just not quite that simple. But it's a slow walk, one that requires sensitivity on our part, one that leans on the relationship and the trust we have with other people so that we can speak truth into their life. It's one that requires chesed, generosity, loyalty, love, and kindness. God's love and kindness, generosity towards us is unfailing. That does not mean that we might not lose sight of it sometimes or that the people we love might not lose sight of it. And whether we ourselves need to focus today again on the Lord and his evidence of love and goodness in our life, whether we need to be that evidence of God's love in other people's life today, we can trust that it's there, that God's has said is unfailing. Just like the air we breathe around us that sustains us and fills us, so it is without God's love. Just as it is for Naomi, so it is for us here today as well. And so I would love to pray for you and commit each one of you to prayer in whatever place you find yourself in as we just rest in God's love. That's there and it's present. So would you just join with me as we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your love. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone here today who may feel like that love is far away, that they can't see it, that it's distant. Lord, I pray for those that feel hopeless, confused. God, would you show them the ways you are working in their life? Would you show them that your blessings are there, that they're not alone? Lord, we thank you for your constancy, for your steadfastness. And I pray that that would be brought to light in new ways for anyone here who needs it today. And Lord, for those of us who have maybe sat through this message and thought about not ourselves, but people that we know and love who are facing really hard times, would you give us strength to know how to love them well, to do it with no expectation of return, but to be generous and kind and committed to them. Lord, would you help us to know how to be your hands and your feet to walk faithfully with you. Lord, we thank you that 
We are going to see the incredible ways that you can work in our lives through the rest of the, the story of, of Ruth as Windsor Road continues through this journey. Lord, we thank you that it will show us about your incredible love, your incredible power to restore, and what happens when we are faithful and follow you. So I pray your blessing upon these people. I pray you'd grow them in faithfulness and grow them in love, the kind of love, said love that you've shown us in your word. So we just thank you, Lord, and we praise you, and we commit one another to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.